This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. My name is John Roseman, and the show is called Because I Said So. And uh, we hope that you will stay with us for the next 30 minutes, and we hope that uh, you will enjoy it. Um, What I do on this show is talk about uh, what is now in America called parenting, which is more accurately called child-rearing or pretty much nothing at all. I don't think my grandparents, great-grandparents, etc., etc., referred to the raising of children Uh, With any particular word, they were simply bringing children up to be adults. That's all they were doing. Um, We began in the 1960s. We, we psychologists, I am a clinical psychologist. And uh, just to help put that into perspective for listeners who have not been with me before this program, I am the rare psychologist licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board that does not believe in psychology. I believe, I don't believe. I absolutely know. Psychology is a secular religion that one believes in by faith. As John MacArthur has repeatedly said, and he is not the only person to have said it, but John MacArthur has said that the term Christian psychologist is a contradiction of terms. You cannot be a legitimate Christian possessing of a biblical worldview and a psychologist simultaneously. Those two worldviews, and believe me, folks, I am one, I know what I'm talking about. Psychology is a worldview. It is a set of propositions concerning the nature of human beings that stands in complete, unequivocal, 100% opposition to a Christian or biblical worldview. So, Welcome to the show. Part of its uh, commentary, part of its editorializing, part of its answering questions. And to begin this show, I want to take a question. I thought it was a very good question asked by a fellow named Howard in Chicago. He writes, the woman I've been dating us. And by the way, if you want to send a question to me, just send it. uh, Go to my website, click on radio at roseman.com and uh and fill out the email form and just click send. Or if you'd rather bypass my website, just uh, send a uh, an email to radio at roseman.com. We just tried to make it easy for you, that's all. Anyway, Howard writes, The woman I've been dating, a single mom with two young boys, and I have decided to get married. My only reservation, and I have told her this, concerns the stepfather thing. I'm not clear, and really neither is she on the proper role and responsibilities of stepfathers, especially in the area of discipline. She reads your column religiously and told me to ask you for advice. It would be most appreciated. 
Howard is there referring to my nationally syndicated newspaper column, appears in about 200 to 250 papers around the country. Well, anyway, as I said, Howard has asked an excellent question, and I happen to have extensive experience in the area, given that I grew up with a stepfather from the time I was seven years old on in what is today known as a step family. Uh, My parents divorced when I was around three, and my mother remarried when I was around seven. And before she remarried, I'm talking about in in the weeks before her remarriage, my mother sat me down and gave me some very invaluable information and very good advice. The invaluable information consisted of telling me that when I was in my stepfather's home, he was, quote, the father, end quote. And I remember her saying, he is not your father, but he is the father in our home. And folks, I was six years old at the time, going on seven, And I could make that distinction. I could understand what my mother was talking about. Her very good advice was that I was to respect and obey my stepfather as well as I respected and obeyed her, which, by the way, was a high standard. My mother's little talk let me know that her primary allegiance was no longer to me. It was to her new spouse as it should have been. Let me add something in here that I think is interesting as I I was thinking about uh, uh, how my mother prepared me for the remarriage. She really didn't prepare me much at all. I mean, all I remember is this one conversation with her, and it really wasn't a conversation. If you can pick up on the flavor of that, it was simply a telling. She was giving me information and telling me the way things were going to be. She didn't ask me how I felt about her getting married Again, she didn't uh, ask me how I felt about her selection of a new spouse. And the reason I'm sharing this with you, listener, is because these are the kinds of things, the things my mother didn't do, in other words, that today's parents tend to do in a situation like that. And note that my mother is pretty unequivocally telling me that uh, I am going to occupy second-class status in this home. Now, this may come as a real shock and a surprise to some of you. If you don't want to be shocked and surprised, turn off your radio now. I'll give you a moment to do that. Uh, If you're willing to at least uh, test the waters of being shocked and surprised, uh, children should be second-class citizens in their homes. Okay, there are a number of people out there in listener land right now who are shutting off their radios, 
who didn't shut off their radios when I first gave them opportunity to do so. Because, yes, that is shocking and that is surprising. In today's parenting and cultural atmosphere, but that attitude that the child was a second class citizen. Now, let, let me explain in his household, in, in his home, in the family home, was the predominant attitude in the 1950s and before. Children were loved, children were cherished. And I'm talking about the overwhelming majority of parents. There are always exceptions to everything I say, but children were loved, children were cherished, but it was understood, and it was understood by children. It was understood that the child was a second-class citizen. He did not participate in decision-making. He was expected to do what he was told. He had chores to do around the house. And uh, he had to obey the rules. The deciders, if you will, were mom and dad. Or in my case, for most of the first seven years of my life, at least the conscious years of my life, uh, my mother was the decider. So in this conversation, which was extremely important to me, my mother is basically telling me, A, I'm getting married to so-and-so and not asking my opinion or how I feel about it. Uh, number two, when you are in your stepfather's home, our new family home, he is the father, and you will respect and obey him as well as you respect and obey me, which was pretty well unequivocal. My mother told me to do something. I did it. My mother told me I couldn't do something. I accepted that. Uh, so she is setting a high standard there. My mother is also telling me that I am not going to be a big kahuna in our new family dwelling, our new family home. And by the way, we lived in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was also being told that we were moving to Chicago. And I wasn't asked how I felt about that either. My mother approached all of this very matter-of-factly, very straightforwardly. And, and folks, here's a bit of advice for you. When you approach telling children anything very matter-of-factly and very straightforwardly, Children are likely to accept it no matter what the information is. If you just say to the child, this is the way it's going to be. Too often today, parents, when they are communicating information of a, I'll call it sensitive sort to children, and this you know could be regarded as sensitive information, uh, they beat around the bush. They act like the child may not like the information and the child ends up not liking the information. So anyway, we'll come back to this after our obligatory break and talk more about the issue of step parents and step families. I do not like the words and I will tell you why. 
as soon as we return. So hope you stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking about a question that I received from a uh, young fella in uh, Chicago. His name's Howard. And uh, this young fellow who's never been married, you know, he's in his 30s. I mean, young fella, he's in his early 30s, um, has never been married, has not father and any children, has never been a father, and uh, writes me an email telling me that he has decided to marry a single woman with two young boys. And the woman used to be married, a divorced mom with two young boys. And uh, he says, my only reservation, and I've told her this, concerns the, quote, stepfather thing, end quote, I'm not clear, and neither is she, on the proper role and responsibilities of stepfathers, especially in the area of discipline. So, um, here's an interesting fact. It's interesting and tragic at the same time. The risk of divorce is higher in a second marriage where one or both parties is bringing children in tow is higher than the risk of divorce for first marriages where neither person is bringing children into the marriage, pre-existing children. The risk of divorce for a second marriage where one or both parties is bringing children into the marriage is higher than the risk of divorce for first marriages where neither person is bringing into the marriage pre-existing children. And the reason that is the case is because my mother's attitude is no longer the norm. My mother's attitude, again, being... I'm simply giving you information. I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm not asking how you feel about my remarriage. I'm not asking how you feel about the person who's going to become your stepfather. You know, because in asking questions like that, you're almost implying that the child has the right to veto the marriage. And I'm sure my mother understood that intuitively. And so this conversation that I talked about in the first half of the show with my mother, it was simply giving me information. I'm getting remarried. You will obey him and you will respect him as well as you respect and obey me. And I keep saying that was a high standard. I obeyed my mother. This attitude is no longer the norm, folks. 
And this is a major reason why the risk of divorce for second marriages under these circumstances is higher than the risk for first marriages. In fact, even such highly respected people as Dr. Phil, in his book Family First, advises that in stepfamilies, a parent should only discipline his or her biological children. Yep, that's what he says. Dr. Phil, the famous Dr. Phil, whom everybody thinks knows what he's talking about, or most people, advises that in stepfamilies, a parent should only discipline his or her biological children. And folks, this is the party line in the mental health professions these days. So, mincing no words, which is my habit, that is really bad advice. It sets up a situation where parenting conflicts become nearly inevitable. The problem actually begins before the second marriage. Following her divorce, a single mom tends to center her life around her children. Now, I realize, by the way, that there are many variations on custody and visitation these days. So I have decided to keep things simple and talk in terms of the most common of those variations where the mother has primary custody. She centers her life around her children during her single parenthood. Her eventual second husband, no fool, sees what is happening and realizes that he must successfully court both her and her kids. And in so doing, he tries his best to be a fun guy. Good time, Charlie. And in the process of all this, and on both sides of the coin, very dysfunctional precedents are being set. The children believe they are entitled to first-class citizen status because they are the center of their mother's attention, and the children come to expect of the fellow who's eventually going to be the stepfather that he is their friend. Two very dysfunctional precedents are being set here, and this is typical, folks. This is the typical scenario. There are people who are listening to this program right now who are in this situation, going into this situation, have experienced this situation, who are listening to the show and nodding their heads, looking at each other perhaps, because this, what I'm describing, is very familiar to them. So these two people get married, and after their marriage, the precedence in question the children feeling entitled to be the center of their mother's attention, the children feeling entitled to first-class citizen status in the family, which children should never occupy, and the children expecting the fellow who is going to be their stepfather and therefore expecting of him after he becomes their stepfather that he's going to be good time Charlie, their friend. 
So these precedents lead to a set of very predictable difficulties. The children complain to their mother when the stepfather tries to discipline. Mom reinforces their resentment by adopting a territorial protective attitude toward them. And the stepfather begins to feel that he is a second-class citizen in his own home. I'll go through that again. The children begin to complain when the stepfather tries to discipline. The mother, because she has effectively entered into a codependent relationship with her children during her single-parent years, reinforces their resentment by adopting a territorial protective attitude toward them, running disciplinary interference between her new husband and her children, and the stepfather begins to feel that he is a second-class citizen. I am firm for these reasons and more. And remember, I was a stepchild that from the get-go, the step-parent, whether male or female, must, capital M, capital U, capital S, capital T, must have complete disciplinary discretion where stepchildren are concerned. Now, you know, folks, somebody out there is going nuts and going, my second husband physically abused my children. Come on, settle down. I'm not talking about anomalous, you know, one in a hundred situations like that. I'm talking about typical situations. I cannot have said this before on the show. Talk about Every single variation on a theme simultaneously. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the ability. If your second husband starts abusing your kids, you know, get out of there that day and don't go back. Uh, under normal circumstances, the step parent, whether male or female, female, <laughs> must have complete disciplinary discretion where stepchildren are concerned. In other words, there is no special set of rules or restrictions that apply uniquely to stepparents. When the parties involved believe that step is the operative word as opposed to parent or family, and the way I put it is, if you think you are a step, parent living in a step family, that's when problems begin. When you put emphasis on the modifier step, that's when problems begin. As someone else has put it, when you think of yourself as a step, it becomes inevitable that you will be stepped on. And to those moms... Uh, I'll, you know, a variation on what I said a moment ago. And to those moms, and I've met more than a few who do not trust their new husbands to discipline properly, my question becomes then why did you marry him in the first place? Didn't you talk about parenting issues before you got married? And if you didn't, why didn't you? What were you thinking? And by the way, and I want to say this, most mental health professionals claim that kids resent it when they are disciplined by step-parents. 
And my response to that is, so what? Kids usually resent being disciplined, period, no matter who the discipliner is. Besides, kids do not know what they need. They only know what they want, and they usually want what is not in their own best interest, which is why they need parents for 18 years. The show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. I'm here every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern on American Family Radio. If you want to learn more about me, my books, etc., etc., go to johnrosemond.com. Thanks for joining us.